Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the SoCap Improv Comedy Podcast. My name is Ralph. I'm the owner and artistic director of the SoCap Improv Comedy Theater in Toronto, uh, Ontario, Canada. We're at 154 Danforth Avenue above the Black Swan Tavern on the second and third floor. Uh, we have improv classes. Uh, we run our own improv shows, but you can also rent our theaters. We have two spaces a larger space that has that can hold up to 90 people and a smaller cabaret space that seats 40 uh, to put on your own shows so you can rent those uh, we also do private events corporate events uh did i mention improv classes that's uh that's good um yeah yeah we also do like a lot of private events too um you know i was just thinking like in this past year i think we've done more like birthday parties or um like wedding parties than in the last year that i've done in the previous five not even counting the pandemic when i did none the 18 months that we were closed during that um yeah so uh you know if you've got a group of friends and you want us to come to you or you want to come to the theater we can do that that's really fun actually um yeah anyway uh so this is a podcast about improvisation uh with a i guess a an equal focus on offstage. So like why, how improv can help in your everyday life. Um, make you a better listener, uh, uh, more, more present, um, more understanding a bit more, or at least some insight into the way people act and behave. And, um, you know, why, um, People will act against their self-interests or all kinds of different things. Anyway, uh, this is what improv is very good at. There's a lot of um, a lot of philosophy in improv, a lot of stoicism, a lot of Taoism, um, some Buddhism for sure uh, in in improv. Anyway, uh, so today what I what I want to talk about is uh, the third exercise that I begin almost every class with. So I've done uh, I've done two previous on this. Uh, uh, series of uh, podcasts on the things that I do in my class, like the actual exercises. So the first one I did was on clap focus, which is what I begin every single class with. The first exercise after the brief introduction and 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 stretching and breathing and and the first actual improv exercise or exercise that I do is clap focus. And there's an and I'm not going to recap it here, but um, well, maybe I will recap briefly, but I'm not gonna do the whole thing. Uh, but I had a podcast on exactly why that's the exercise, uh, what it does, why it happens, what it's good for. Um, and then some variations that I use in cloud focus in order to teach or expose people to other principles and concepts that, um, you don't see like, um, like, one thing that cloud focus is really good at is how we will as human beings generally uh make up implied rules things that we assume are rules that aren't so in, in that case it's if you've ever done it or <laughs> again i don't want to you can go back and listen to it but essentially uh this there's one sort of uh focus, I guess, of the exercise where people are passing this, um, they're clapping towards each other and it goes back and forth between people at random. 
Um, the one thing that happens is the second clap may start if somebody feels an impulse like, oh, I thought someone looked at me. And so rather than stifling impulse, we encourage people to act on it. And so you can have two or three going. And whenever that happens for the first time, everybody stops and freaks out. And uh, I have to remind them that, well, you all just assume that there could only just be one clap happening at a time. When in fact, there could be two, three, six, twelve. We don't know. Uh, and you know, it just introduces the idea of implied rules, that we make up rules that we assume are rules without even questioning them or even, yeah, without even questioning where it came from or why we did that. It's just one of those unknown unknowns. And then how often in our lives are we making these things up, you know, rules and living by them. And that's uh, a lot of the limitations that put us inside that little box that we all think inside of. The second exercise that I do in every class is the association game. And again, there's a podcast on that, on what it is, how to do it, what it highlights, how to catch people that are faking and, and, and call them out on it in a gentle, non-judgmental way um, and encourage them to be more extemporaneous, uh, to use an old word, you know, to be more, less, less planned, uh, less safe. Uh, and see what that's like, because when people communicate without a, um, you know, an artifice, without like, uh, when they're just themselves, and how good we all are, even in my experience, people who are maybe on the spectrum, the autism spectrum, uh, pretty good at recognizing authentic, real um, communication. And, and how it often brings forth laughter. And um, if I haven't done a podcast on laughter, I must have. <laughs> if I not, I should. Uh, anyway, and today I'm going to talk about the third exercise. And um, this exercise, I, I do, except for in two cases, I don't do it at corporate uh, events um, because it's a bit challenging. And then for the same reason, I don't do it for people who are with me for the first time. Uh, like if the group is for the first time. So if I'm doing like a level one class, this is not an exercise I would do in the first class. I would save it to the second or third class, uh, unless it's really, um, it's a class with, that has some experience previously, or if they're just really gelling, then I, oh, I might challenge them with it, but, but it's, it's, it's a little more difficult, um, difficult in the sense not well I mean, understanding what it really is about, but also uh, those who tend to hang back if they are not because the first the first two you kind of, you have to respond if people like with the association game you have to respond clap focus you have to respond this one you can just sit out you can just stay on the side and not have anything to do with it so um, I do as a, as a teacher and if you do teach this or use this I recommend keeping an eye on who's not participating. And, um, you know, you can gently encourage them or well, you do what you want. I may gently encourage them or I may admonish the whole group to slow down, uh, to look for people who aren't getting involved, to maybe hang back a little bit. But that's tricky, too, because you, you don't want to encourage people to um, or I don't want to encourage people to tune out and wait too long and miss the moments because I want people to really be act on impulse, not being impulsive, but, oh, I've got the idea, I wanna go, 
I don't want to check that. I don't want to cut myself off from my instincts, my gut, you know, that, that reactive part of our brains, uh, want to bypass that thinking part, which, uh, because of conditioning will shut us down or keep us from doing all kinds of great and wonderful things because, uh, at least in this part of the world, you know, we've been taught to be embarrassed or ashamed of every impulse we have from the time we were children. Um, you know, whether it's our parents or school or society. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, it takes for some of us, it's a long road to overcome that conditioning and get into a playful reactive, uh, state where we are collaborating and serving moments rather than serving the self-interest that we have because they've been drilled into us from an early age. All right. So the third exercise, uh, is, uh, it's called uh, I am a. That's that's how it was introduced to me several 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 years ago, and uh, yeah, the the basic premise is everybody is standing in a circle. Uh, the first person who begins steps forward and says I am a blank, and they can say anything. I am a bird. Uh, the second person steps in, and so the the idea then is in groups in in there will be we will build patterns and games always with three individuals one at a time and uh the the main overall thing is the second person will establish what the pattern is what the game is so and then the third person whatever their idea may have been previously they have to let go of that and then follow the game that is emerging so for example uh, a first person may step forward and say, I'm a bird. Uh, a second person may rush in and say, I'm a plane. Now, if you're a fan of the Superman comics, you know, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman uh, would follow. And so the best choice here, and I say best because it is the most uh, recognizable, it has the biggest reference level. Although, you know, less and less now over time, Superman is that sort of, trope of Superman is, is, is disappearing. But so the third option would be I'm Superman. Uh, and so, but perhaps that third person heard bird and they were thinking, oh, our early bird gets the worm. So we got a bird, a plane, and the third person goes in and says, I'm a worm. Uh, now in that case, there's no matching, right? We've got, we've got competing, we have disagreement, disharmony, disconfront, discon discongruity uh discongruity discruity oh my gosh i don't know what the word is it's not working it's it's dissonant disharmonious it doesn't work and so what this will cause uh for those watching it the other participants is confusion certainly not a laugh not a laughter of recognition it'll just get um oh i see okay they made a mistake here um and then, so just to go back to the actual mechanics of the game, so the first person, so let's say it was a bird, I'm playing, I'm Superman. And then anybody who recognizes Superman, uh, who knows that on the outside, will probably have, if not a laugh, a chuckle, uh, a spark of recognition, the joy of recognition of like, oh yes, I get that. Um, and then the first person who was the bird would leave either the plane or Superman. Uh, and so they may say, okay, I'm going to leave Superman. And then we build a new one. So the first person or that third person who was Superman will start again. And they'll say, I am Superman. 
and then someone else comes running in. I am Batman. Third person comes running in and says, I am Wonder Woman. Oh, great. The pattern here is very recognizable, very easy. Three superheroes. So Superman will leave one of the other two behind. So this time we will leave Batman. Um, and then say, I'm Batman. And then the first person, the second person comes running in. The second person comes running in and says, I am Robin. And then the third person comes running in and says, I'm the Batcave. So there we have three elements within the story of Batman. Um, right, and then so now the Batman will leave. Oh, I'll leave the cave. Or I'll leave the Batcave. Now, we've done a lot of superhero stuff. We've done a lot of Batman stuff. The Batcave really can only be the Batcave. Uh, well, it could be a Batcave. But what the, my point here is that third person cannot just shorten it and just say, I'm a cave. Which would be good because it'll take us away because one of the one of the well patterns are very powerful and improv. They can also be a detriment if we stick to the same pattern. It's like a group of scenes, and every scene is two people, and they're talking about their relationship, like couples. You know, like oh, um, and, you know that's a that's a deathly pattern because everything looks the same. Uh, so here, the cave on oh, a cave, right? Uh, the third person, the second person runs in and says, "I'm a stalactite." The third person, "I'm a stalagmite." And then we leave one of them. And now we've gotten away from the realm of superheroes. So the stalactite, I'm a stalactite. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, <laughs> I'm um, carbamite. And the third person says, oh, I'm a, a little mite. Three words that rhyme. So the thing is about the patterns is they can be anything, but what we want them to be is understandable and recognizable. Oh, I know what that is. Those are three words that rhyme. These are three things in the Batman universe. These are three superheroes. Uh, you know, these are these are all things. Or they could be an image. You know, I'm a bird. I'm a tree. I'm a nest in the tree. Oh, okay. Then we see that. So that's what the pattern is. That's what we're trying to do. And whenever someone comes in and like in that example, they use I'm a bird. I'm a plane. I'm a worm. Uh oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that. Why? Why didn't people laugh? And here, what we're trying to get is that laugh of recognition, because because you know, people laugh when they understand what's going on because they know it's for them, right? It's like the, hearing the punchline of a joke and getting it. You laugh at the, oh boy, whew, at the release of tension, because you understand, oh, this is for me. I get this. I'm smart. I'm with my people. I'm one of you, and that's what that's what the laughter comes from. It's bonding and community. So when it doesn't make sense or it doesn't make sense to people what all these three things have in common, they won't laugh. And, uh, and another thing that happens in this exercise is maybe someone says, uh, I'm a bird, and someone else comes in and says, I'm paper. And then when the connection between a bird and paper are not so obvious, everybody stops and they go up into their heads and panic sets in because they're like, oh, it's not for me. And uh, I don't want to leave you the impression of never do that because if it's a bird and then I'm paper, what it does do is it sets, there's a risk here, there's a dissonance, there's a like, well, what do these two things have in common? And if someone can come in, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and give the line that makes all of this make sense, they will get a huge laugh. So if the third person comes in and says, I'm origami, oh, there'll be a big laugh because people were trying to figure out what those two things had in common and they couldn't figure it out. And that, that, un, un, that uh, feeling of discomfort, dissonance creates tension 
and we don't like it because it's like, oh, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm stupid. It's not for me. I'm excluded. I'm outside. And then someone comes in and says, I'm origami. And then all of a sudden, oh, we all laugh because now we get it and we all feel great. Uh, so that's basically the exercise, um, you know, and then, and then as it goes forward, as it goes, as it continues, uh, anything that got a big laugh, I encourage everybody to, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll try to remember that, put it in your pocket. Uh, we all laughed really hard at origami because it really released some big tension. So anytime you can bring in origami again, when it makes sense without forcing it, do so because you'll also get you'll get a <coughs> pardon me you'll get another a big laugh because everybody will remember oh that time that we all bonded over origami um, and 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 we will laugh at it again because it will remind us of a time and a place when we had a good time and we bonded so uh, that's how the exercise works uh, try to get people to bring things back. Uh, usually, if there's nothing is brought back for a while, and then all of a sudden somebody does, that's the end, right? It, it bookends it, and it tells us, well, that's the end. We're done with this exercise. Um, trying to think what else I can, you know, uh, often there are, uh, you know, two people step forward, and, and I encourage them to sort out, well, who's going to go, who's going to not stop without dialogue, looking at each other, eye contact, body language, you know, so that we can back down. Uh, or no, it's not, not back down, but, you know, maybe the two of us can say the same thing at the same time or because that's a risk or maybe, you know, someone steps forward, they look and they can tell, oh, this other person has a really strong idea. They're really committed to it. So I'll let them have it. I'll let them have this one. And then if it happens again, you know, maybe the person that took the focus the first time will rel relinquish the focus the second time to be more playful. And think about what we all need versus what I need. So that's that's the exercise. Um, it's always the third one that I use. Uh, it gets us into a very playful mood, into a, um, a mood of listening, of thinking about uh, games, of getting out of our heads and becoming part of, you know, an experience, which is what I want. I want all of us in the class to think about serving something bigger than themselves. Because improv, again, it, it mimics life in a lot of ways in that what do we all want? Well, we all want to find our community, our group, our tribe, the place where we are accepted. And then we all want to become, belong to something bigger than just myself, right? It's, it's one reason why, you know, people join armies because they, 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 they want to belong to something that is bigger than themselves. Uh, organizations because again that idea of community and being a part of something big and cool and fun anyway that's my time for tonight or today uh thanks very much uh for checking in and uh, we'll see you next time here on uh, the socap improv comedy podcast bye